the Bible Study Podcast, episode 201. Today, the Bible Study Podcast continues the study of newness with new hearts. Welcome to the Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Christensen. We've been doing this study of newness for a while, and we talked about creation, and we talked about the new creation at the end of the Bible. And today I wanted to look at a new heart. The first scripture that we're going to use is Psalm 51, and Psalm 51 is a psalm of David. And you may remember the story. David was a good king, and then David went on top of his roof one day and saw the neighbor woman Bathsheba bathing and lusted after her, slept with her, and got her pregnant and tried to get her husband to sleep with her so he would think it was his child. But he wouldn't because he was worried about his men who were away fighting the war. And so he wouldn't sleep with his wife as long as his men were at the front. So finally David has Uriah the Hittite, her husband, killed. And he is caught by God. God sends the prophet Nathan who comes and tells him, I know what you did, basically, and the child that you had by her will die. He writes this psalm later on after that incident. So this is for the music director, a psalm of David, when the prophet Nathan came to him after David had committed adultery with Bathsheba. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Yet you desired faithfulness even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in that secret place. And so David has come to terms with the fact that he is a sinner. He has fallen short. He has missed the mark. He is a murderer, to put it bluntly. And so this verse here, this this psalm here, which I grew up using in the church service that I attended, created me a clean heart, O God, was part of the church liturgy. I grew up within a liturgical Christian tradition, which meant that there were some words we used over and over again every Sunday, and among them was this psalm written by a king, but also written by a murderous king. And so in the first verses here, David comes to grips with the fact that he is a sinful man. He was sinful from the time of conception. But then he asks God to do something radical. He calls upon a God who as I have been saying in this study, I believe is in the business of making things new. And he calls on him to give him a a new heart, a clean heart. And he says this, starting in verse 7, Cleanse me with hyssop, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Even though David knows what he has done, he knows God 
also. And he knows that he believes in a God who can forgive and a God who can restore and make new. And so he asks for this seemingly impossible thing, which is that God will both forgive him and that God will somehow restore and renew him, creating him a new heart, creating him a clean heart, renew in me a steadfast spirit. How can David possibly ask this after what he has done? Is this just the cry of someone who doesn't want to be found guilty? Well, David has already been found guilty by God. The child has already died. And David has already been told that there will be consequences of his sin, that one of his sons will do in public what he has done in private, and that is his son Absalom that happens later on. So David doesn't get out of the consequences of his sin, but David asks God to do something radical. David believes in a God who can restore and who is willing to do so. A God who has created and can recreate. A God who can somehow put innocence back in a heart that is guilty. That can create a willing spirit. A spirit that will willfully obey God instead of the spirit that has been willfully disobedient. He believes in a God that won't throw him away, that won't cast me from your presence. That's literally what that saying is. David feels like something that should be thrown away, but he believes in a God who won't do that. And not only does David believe in a God, but he has hope in this. And he goes on and says, then I will teach transgressors your ways so that sinners will turn back to you. Now, that seems fairly presumptuous. Isn't he, in fact, a sinner? Isn't he, in fact, a transgressor? But he's saying, I don't believe that I am, by what I have done, useless to you. I don't believe that you are that kind of God. That even though I have committed terrible things, even though I have done terrible things, even though I have committed murder and adultery, I believe that you are a God who will not throw me away, but in fact can still use me. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God, you who are God my Savior, and my tongue will sing your righteousness. Open my lips, Lord, and my mouth will declare your praise. You do not delight in sacrifice, or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings, My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. You, God, will not despise. I know that no outward show of righteousness, no outward show of penitence is important to you as much as in my innermost heart am I broken by what I have done? Do I realize the severity of what I've done and throw myself upon your mercy? I know there's no check I can write to the church that's big enough. I know that there's no pilgrimage I can go on that's long enough to satisfy you, but that you are satisfied when I repent, that you are satisfied when I'm contrite, when I reject the ways that I have gone and turn back to you. 
May it please you to prosper Zion, to build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in the sacrifices of the righteous, in burnt offerings offered whole. Then bulls will be offered on your altar. So God is pleased with sacrifice, but that sacrifice, that outward ceremony, is only a symbol of a covenant that exists. And what David needs at this point is not an outward symbol, but he needs restoration. He needs a new heart. Similarly, we see in Ezekiel 36. Ezekiel is calling out to the people saying, For I will take you out of the nations. I will gather you from all the countries and bring you back into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Then you will live in the land that I gave your ancestors. You will be my people and I will be your God. I will save you from all your uncleanness. I will call for the grain and make it plentiful and will not bring famine upon you. This is Ezekiel prophesying about Israel's restoration, prophesying about something that is not true yet, something that has not happened yet at the time that he is saying this. Instead, he's prophesying to a nation that has a heart of stone, that is unclean, and that has turned its back on God and turned to idols. And he's saying, if you will turn around, I will restore you. I will cleanse you. I will give you a new heart. We have a good friend, a 20-year-old young man who went in for open-heart surgery this week, who is certainly in our prayers, and I hope you would keep David in your prayers also. He had a surgery that was supposed to take 13 hours to replace a faulty valve that he was born with. Well, God is offering also to replace the faulty parts of us, the faulty parts of our heart that long for and desire for things that are not good for us, the desire for things other than God and the obedience of God. And he's saying, I can give you a new heart. Just as David was asking for here in this place, God is promising to Israel if they will turn around. The verse that we read, the psalm that we read, doesn't say what happened to David, but In all of the history of Israel going forward from this point, David is still looked to as the model. David is still looked to as the good king. If only we had a king of the type of king that David was. As flawed as David was, David turned around and David was given a new start, a new heart. And then also again in Ezekiel 18, we get this. Therefore, you Israelites, I will judge each of you according to your own ways, declares the sovereign Lord. Repent. Turn away from your offenses, then sin will not be your downfall. Rid yourself of all the offenses you have committed and get a new heart and a new spirit. Why will you die, O people of Israel? Why will you die, people of Israel? For I take no pleasure in death of anyone, declares the sovereign Lord. Repent and live. Now, I don't know if you've known somebody who needs a heart transplant, but they are in desperate need at that point of a new heart or they will die. And that's basically what God is telling Israel at this point is, get a new heart or your death is imminent. Life is not in you 
unless I put it in you. You need to turn around. You need to do what David did. And I will do for you what David asks of me. I will give you a new heart. And then again from Second Corinthians 5, God goes even further and Paul says this, So from now on we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Here he says, not only are you going to get a new heart, you're going to get a whole new you. And not only are you going to get a whole new you, but you, like David, are to become a teacher of righteousness. You, like David, are going to become an ambassador for God. And you, like David, are going to be called into the business that God is in, this business of reconciliation, this business of reconnecting people to God, this business of giving people a new heart. With that, we're going to end this episode of the Bible Study Podcast. If you have any questions, feel free to leave a comment on this episode at thebiblestudypodcast.com or send me an email to host at thebiblestudypodcast.com. And you can also follow me on Twitter at Chris2x. As always, thanks so much for listening. Hey everybody, I'm Dale. And I'm Tamara. We're hosts of the Kainos Project podcast. Where we help you tackle ancient Christian truths in everyday settings. To learn more and subscribe, go to lifeaudio.com.